Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! Anything's possible! Anything's possible! Welcome to Celtic Strong, a podcast that journeys backwards through Boston Celtics history and lore. Join two proud fans who are definitely not experts as we look back era by era. Starting in the present. And at present, we're at the close of the 2020-2021 season. And one thing is clear, we have entered a new era. And what are we calling that era, Steve? The 2Js era. That is right. The two J's. Wow. I mean, talk about dynamic duos. So much excitement around these two young superstars, both all-stars this season. And really, the sky is the limit. What better way to segue into this new era of the two J's than... By closing the chapter on the man who drafted the two J's, Danny Ainge, getting to say goodbye to him. And what a wild GM ride he had. And that produced a championship. A lot of excitement, a lot of near misses, a lot of hits. We have to pour one out for Danny Ainge. It was quite some time ago that he took over the reins and largely steered the team in the right directions. And, of course, uh, a championship-winning player, a championship-winning GM, and a Celtic-strong figure, for sure. Absolutely. Major, major connection to Red Arbach and the institution itself to sort of come in and get the opportunity to run the team for that long, having been such a part of it, I think, uh, um, was really cool opportunity, not just for him, but for the Celtics. Let's not forget Danny Ainge also uh, was drafted in the MLB as well as the NBA. Oh, yeah. Two sports stars. So 
Thank you, Danny Ainge. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for Jalen Brown. Thank you for Jason Tatum. Thank you for uh, the trades and uh, shrewd moves that led us to the era of the two J's, which we are thankful to be in. And it's, uh, it's not without, you know, a little sadness that we see him part. And I think we both acknowledge that it was time. Yeah. It was a long time to run a team, and it was very clear that he did what he could and he needed to move on and we'll see what happens to him. And I know he had a lot of health concerns and a lot of factors. He might wind up run, might wind up running another team, but he also might just want to enjoy his life, which would be great for him. Right. And his son might end up running another team before he does. So as we close out the Danny Ainge era, it closes on a flurry of changes. Uh, and really, you know, closing out the season to our playoff exit, uh, all the things that have happened, Steve, let's, uh, let's not gloss over these major things. Absolutely. Major things. Uh, COVID-era basketball being the number one thing, having to come back after such a short rest. A lot, un- lot to unpack during the season as well as everything up until the end of the finals and all the – with Danny Age's retirement – Brad Stevens reshuffling within the organization, a team president, a new coach. So a lot to unpack. I'm excited to get into it with you, Eli, because I know you were really um, on board for this season 100% and have a lot of feelings about it. Absolutely, absolutely. And this season is one of those seasons where, though a frustrating and disappointing outcome, it's not the most frustrating season right it's not one of those seasons where you have an amazing cinderella run Kyrie gets hurt and yet tatum scores 20 points in seven straight breaking birds record and you go on a cinderella run and then you're crushed when they finally lose this was a season that uh you kind of wanted to be over before it was even over yeah it was what it was it wasn't our year i think I think you and I both are kind of big believers in everything happens for a reason, right? And everything that happens leads up to the present moment. So I think the clearest thing for me when I think about this season is um, the Jays, the two Jays development and how everything that sort of happened, good and bad, led to them um, getting the most out of their opportunity here as, as Celtics as starting Celtics players and most definitely really going to each of them going to an other, uh, other level, another level this year. And the thing I love about that, Steve is as disappointing as this season and especially the end of it with Jalen Brown's injury and the early playoff exit. Yeah. It makes me all the more excited for what the Celtics could be next year. Because of course, as we know, right after, Brad Stevens ascended to general manager. He traded Kemba Walker and his giant contract to the Oklahoma City Thunder for our old friend, Big Al Horford. Oh, God. Don't get me started. I love that. I love that Al Horford is coming back next year. Big Al. That's going to be great. But I'm actually really glad that you brought up Jalen Brown's season-ending injury 
as it related to them having pretty much a disappointing season overall, because even with the disappointing season, having to play um, the mini tournament, what were they? What, what was that? Was a brand new thing that we can talk about this year? It was the a plan, brand new plan tournament. Play in tournament. Yeah, the play in tournament. Yeah. Brand new. Yeah. So they play in the, this brand spanking new play in tournament to get into the playoffs. They get into the playoffs. It was pretty clear from a realist. We're we're realists. We're Celtics fan realists, and it was pretty clear they weren't going to beat the stacked. Brooklyn Nets team, but losing Jalen in that moment was such a bummer because you wanted to see him in there. Yeah, absolutely. You wanted to see the two Jays fighting and scratching and making it, making Brooklyn work for it. And that was a big disappointment for me. Yeah. So here we are, and the future is bright for those, you know, who who see the bigger picture, as we always do our best to try not to get too caught up in any moment, just see the bigger picture which is those 17 banners hanging in the garden. Yup. And the lore from Red Auerbach to Bill Russell from Larry Bird and Parrish McHale to Paul Pierce, KG, Ray Allen, and of course now the two Jays. We always try to look at the big picture, and the big picture is, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that have led us to now, and... We have to ask that question, which you were getting at, Steve, which is if things go a little more according to plan the last five years, do we get this version of the two J's? Does it give them the playing time, then responsibility, and finally just complete and total leeway to become the players they are today? Well, we can't answer that, right? Because we can't go back and do it differently. But it's hard to see them maturing and developing so quickly and so robustly. Right. Without that, yeah, without those opportunities that were presented to them because of other players' injuries, other, you know, things that didn't work out roster-wise for them. But, I mean, if you look at, I think, when Gordon went down, in Jason Tatum's rookie year and his three-point percentage that season when he just was given the green light, um, I remember it being this big deal like, whoa, he, he was good at hitting threes, but I didn't know he was this good. And it seems like he's really pulling away, starting to develop this skill of being able to just pull back and hit a three or hit an open jumper like in someone's face at any point at any time. And that's... absolutely. That's what superstars do. Yeah. And, you know, his maturation has been well publicized. And you look at the, you know, commercials even that just run, national commercials that run. I mean, oh, yeah. He's, you know, the face of Gatorade. He's, um, he is the more visible superstar because of that pure offensive skill, that shot making ability, that, you know, very few truly have. And at his size and strength and age, I mean, he has that true uh, KD level almost ability. Totally. That he can, he can light up anyone. Totally. And this is, this is nothing new. I think a lot of people are talking about how Jason Tatum is a superstar and it's becoming more of a known thing that people are talking about. I, I am curious, Eli, to, to ask you what you saw 
in Jalen Brown this past season that would lead you to believe that he's taken a step forward and where you think his ceiling might be. Definitely. And what's actually interesting is one of the things that precipitated uh, part of his role just continuing to step up is the Jason Tatum COVID. Oh. During that time, Jalen had to shoulder just uh, not only a bigger offensive load, but bigger ball handling skills and ball handling, you know, responsibilities. And that's one of the areas where he took a huge leap forward. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the most, I think, the most obvious areas, the most salient parts of his offensive game that took a leap forward. But I think what we really saw over the course of a season is someone who was known as a more raw athletic talent uh, with offensive skill, but potentially uh, some sort of, you know, a ceiling in that realm, now seems to have potential as high as you can imagine. Uh, Because at his size and skill level and athleticism, Uh, We've seen the explosive athleticism and the dunks uh, for years, but with the ball handling skills, the decision-making ability, and now his shot-making ability as well, Yeah, wow, you pair these two offensive talents together, and it is truly exciting. And the Celtics, as a franchise, now... It's their job to make it work, Mm -hmm. to put the pieces around these guys, including not just the players, but the right coach and system to allow them to fully work together and maximize potential. Um, You know, Steve, some people question sometimes how well they work together and even could point to that, that time when Tatum was out it's like, of course, Jalen stepped up. He didn't have to defer to Tatum. But I think there is a true symbiosis, and I think that'll really start to be on display as we move forward. Absolutely. I, I, you bring up such an interesting point because it is so exciting to think about how now they're going to build and reconstruct this roster around these two budding superstars, right? Um, yeah. But I think now that we it's an interesting opportunity to look back and say, were they building the team, I should say specifically Danny Ainge, was he building the team correctly? Did he know what he, do you think he really knew what he had in these two over the past few years? Um, you look at the type of point guard that he kept trying to force down their throat, kind of put on this team. You can't, certainly can't blame him for trying with Kyrie Irving to make that work because um, that should have worked on paper or at least you have to you have to you know give it a shot if you have that opportunity right to acquire a player of that caliber yeah you know specifically on this point i think one thing we can do as fans and especially you know fans like ourselves who are certainly not experts yep right we can look at things like Danny Ainge, why didn't you put the perfect pieces around these guys yet, right? Right. And what I think that logic completely forgets and completely just 
does not take into account is how this actually works, right? Right. It is not like this is not on paper. It's not a fantasy team. Like these, this is an actual franchise. These are actual players and people. And when we're talking about this era, this is a very quick rebuild, really. Mm-hmm. If you think that 10 years ago, we were just on the heels of the last big three going to back-to-back finals, right? Wow. So, right. So, and then this era, you know, these playoff runs with the two Js, right? Started four or five years ago. So it's a quick rebuild, right? And that first season, you're making the best of your roster and you're trying to build a championship roster, but these guys are so young and raw, you just don't know yet what you're going to get for them. So I don't even know if it's a question of him knowing the talent or putting the right pieces around, uh, but more of a question of like him drafting really well, yeah, being like, all right, like we want these guys. Now we've got to try to build a team around them. But you're working with what you're working with, and you can only get a few like the access to players. We think of all these trades and scenarios where, oh, why didn't they just Get this guy. Why didn't they just trade for? Why didn't they just sign Kevin Durant? You know, it's like 30 teams tried to mortgage their franchise to get Kevin Durant. We didn't end up with him. Yeah, they tried as hard as they could. They brought Tom Brady in, David Ortiz. They tried to get Kevin Durant. I mean, so yeah, come on. So you're saying that I shouldn't look at the team building of the Celtics like I'm playing franchise mode of NBA 2K video games. I'm saying do that at your peril. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it is an important point. And I think as we look back on all these different eras, it's a lot easier to scrutinize and to point fingers. We have to remember in the moment, Danny Ainge is saying, these are the players I have. These are the moves available. These are the things possible, and I'm going to do everything possible to make this team better, right? Absolutely. Right now, focusing back on the current and on the end of Danny Ainge's legacy, are there things we would have liked to see him do differently over the last couple years? Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly easy to look back and be like, this is what you did wrong. Um, There was so much, you know, it's a balance of good luck and of bad luck. And, you know, certainly some tough breaks with a lot of the signings. And fortunately for us, um, in just draft, turning all those picks into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that being such an amazing win and how it breaking out for them and the kind of experience they got at such a young age. Yeah. As as lackluster as the season was, as disappointed as I was with Jalen's injury and not being able to see him in the postseason after having such a dynamic second half. Yeah. I I I'm just excited, man. Like I just I'm so psyched that they get to move forward with these two guys. And whether or not they it, there's some secret sauce or some secret code of who they're supposed to put around them. Um, I think it's more like what you're talking about, that it's about the opportunity of getting whatever best players are available to you at the time. Definitely. Maybe that's not this year. You know, Maybe they can't get a point guard this year, so it's market smart. 
Right. And that's just what we have to roll with for a year. And there's certainly, uh, there'd be nothing wrong with that. And maybe really firmly putting Marcus in a facilitating uh, full-time point guard role right. is actually what the team needs. So, right. So take me through the roster that we started with this past season and what was Danny Ainge thinking putting that together? Because obviously it didn't work out, but right. I would think he had some kind of hope for what it was going to be, right? So he's hoping Kemba Walker was going to be healthy and right. scoring a lot. That will start there, right, with Kemba Walker. Yeah, and of course this this shortened off season, Kemba was not 100% last season. Um, yep. Looked better in the bubble. And then preseason, we get this news. He's actually not going to be back for the first month of the season. And he's getting, I believe, knee injections. Remember right. Kobe Bryant was one of the first to like travel and get knee injections. So... We're coming into the 2021 season on short, short, you know, turnaround. And right. Danny looked to address what, he, you know, what I believe he felt were needs. Uh, he got another ball handler, someone who could uh, come off the bench in this, with the second unit, but also sometimes play with the starters and who is now played into the finals. And that, of course, is Jeff Teague, uh, the former Atlanta standout and a longtime veteran point guard who at the time seemed to be a good signing for this team. Oh, okay, right. right. There's some questions around Kemba. You get Teague for depth. Maybe he even starts the season, you know, starting in Kemba's place. Uh, seemed to be a smart signing. And, of course, the other big signing is he goes out and he gets uh, former Cavs big man Tristan Thompson a guy who beat us uh, on the offensive glass so many times, a guy who I always hated to watch as a Celtics fan when he was on the Cavs because he always was outworking us. Those offensive rebounds, yeah. defensive plays, hustle, just a guy I always wanted. Uh, and, you know, I think the idea there was good, but, or, and... It, he isn't the right guy anymore and probably wasn't. And so I think that was a swing and a miss yeah. and uh, was a little ill-fated of a move for a number of reasons. But the intention was that he was going to bring some toughness. Some toughness, and bring in t- rebounding. Yeah, it just didn't happen. Uh, big man depth, right? Uh, yeah. Rob Williams' health uncertain, you know, starting mm-hmm. the season with Daniel Tice as our starting center, of course. Uh, and, you know, I'd love to talk more about Tice at some point, but, you know, unfortunately he got traded this season and uh, it wasn't the <laughs> season where Daniel Tice reached new heights once again, outdoing our expectations. Uh, but Daniel Tice, man, I love, love that guy. What a, a true Celtic strong player who really did, uh, live up to anything we could have ever imagined. Um, oh, and we, it was asked a lot. There was a lot asked of him, I feel. And he, he came through for what, you know, beyond any kind of expectations that anyone had for him coming into the league. There's kind of a, a Celtics insider uh, perspective on Tice, which is like he just never seemed to really get the calls as like a German undersized big man. 
he just got beat <laughs> up down low and he just had like hard luck on calls and getting smashed. Like he's always getting smashed and then called for a foul, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but such a lovable, hardworking, you know, lunch pail guy. And, uh, and I think, you know, Boston fans will miss him. Um, and we'll just like hope that someday he gets those calls and really, uh, you know, continues to grow and blossom, but man, you know, getting him coming across, uh, from Germany, um, and what he ended up becoming and, uh, growing into was, yeah, just certainly beyond what we could have expected. You know, he absolutely, like all those younger guys was, was called on to do a lot early and delivered. So yeah, that's kind of like a bittersweet part of this (laughs) <laughs> this season that just passed, you know, saying goodbye to him. Yeah. It's a little easier, a little easier to say goodbye to Jeff Teague. It'll certainly be easier to say goodbye to Tristan Thompson if that ever happens. Um, and, you know, we, uh, we love his hustle and he did, uh, as he got healthy and came into form, you know, got up to speed with the team and fully healthy, he started to show, you know, those rebounds, the offensive boards. He had a couple of really great games and, you know, I think if he's on the team going into next season, they'll be uh, in a better position to really make the best of his skills and minutes. Um, you know, it's not, it's often not a player's uh, responsibility to create the fit on the team, right? Like he's, yeah, Tristan Thompson's out there for Tristan Thompson trying to find a good opportunity with a quality team where he can win, where he can play well, where he can play with talent, right? So, um, it's really up to the organization and coach to find the right fit, but to also fit the pieces well together and to find a system that maximizes them. And I think we saw that with guys like Tice. Um, we saw that with the development of the two J's, but now in this past season, we saw a little misfits or not great fits. Right. And Tristan Thompson, Jeff Teague, both kind of at the center of that. Um, you know, Jeff Teague did start very slow. So it has to be said that his play simply wasn't great early on. It was very sporadic. And then his shooting percentage wise was pretty down. Um, but once again, you know, just a lot of circumstances which led to less than ideal conditions, guys having to step up. You know, Kemma's not healthy to start, then the COVID stuff, then Tatum's hurt. Yeah. Um, My gosh. Christian Thompson's out for a while. I mean, crazy year. So I I was curious, um, you know, sometimes often teams get talked about in like windows, like there's a championship window, you know, and they got Kyrie and they signed Hayward. Right. It was all that buzz around that season, you know, that this is a window for them to win a championship. Do you think... Being so close last year in the bubble to almost going to the finals, going into this year, it didn't seem like there was that kind of buzz or there was anything sort of around yeah. this. I mean, perhaps they were overshadowed by Brooklyn's roster. Um, at that point, it was, yeah, you know, to begin the season, Harden wasn't, wasn't on the nets, but... Sure. But, yeah. Know, just- well, there isn't as much urgency, and I think there wasn't quite as much and especially in comparison with a team like the Nets and the reason for that really I think has to do with how young the two J's are yeah so you think they looked at it this year they were just like 
Yeah, they're still developing. This might not be the team, but this is what, you know, this is the best team we can put together right now for where they're at right now. Yeah. And I don't think that any team, and when you talk about like the actual organization, and we are talking about the Boston Celtics organization, I don't think there's a season, especially in, you know, recent history and most of Danny Ainge's, if not all of Danny Ainge's tenure, where Danny Ainge is going into the season going, yeah, this might not be the one. This is the best we can put out. <laughs> you know, I think I Danny's not. going into it being like, okay, we need more of this. I'm trying to get him. I'm trying to get him. Okay, I can get Jeff Teague. Okay, how much? Okay, I'm right. pulling the trigger. I'm getting Jeff Teague, right? So they're always trying to put out a team that can contend for a championship. Yeah, and I guess if you look at it from the whole season and at the end, Danny Ainge retires – Maybe it makes you kind of look back a little more harshly and being like, oh, did, was there, was it that his time was just up? He felt like his run was over. Or was there, did he miscalculate this year in a way that he just was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing as good a job as I should be anymore. I'm going to walk away. Yeah. And it is hard to say, you know, the, the injury stuff aside, you know, he created, a log jam in the front court through roster construction and through, you know, kind of knowing Kemba's injuries and ultimately only getting Teague to replace those minutes. Um, so right. you're going into the season, your top point guards are Marcus Smart and Jeff Teague. And then in your front court in today's NBA, your depth chart is Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson. Rob Williams. The questions are <laughs> are looming. You know, like, are you really going into the season being like, yep, back to the fi- you know, back to the conference finals, <laughs> finals run, like that's gonna solve those issues we ran into. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, there's maybe something to be desired. But once again, it's like you're playing with the pieces you're playing with. You're bound by a lot of things. There's a lot of constraints and actualities, realities that we just don't know about. And I don't know, you know, maybe Danny being the GM for so long simply had sort of outlasted his peak, you know, usefulness. Um, There's, yeah, yeah, there's like, you know. There's an evolution involved in the way business is done in the NBA. Totally. Listen to a great podcast uh, where Theo Epstein talked about how long you could be effective at any job uh, and sort right. of at anything applied in that manner. And I believe, um, you know, what he has, has looked at and uh, what he was talking about is that it's about a decade. It's about 10 years. Um, so if you look at his stint with the Red Sox and then the Cubs, um, it's always eight to 10 years. Um, so he just believes that's that's, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He just believes that's how long you can be, uh, at your peak effectiveness in a role that's so demanding. Um, so yeah, Danny might've just like, uh, outstayed his peak effectiveness in the role. Um, but we don't want to, you know, we don't want to criticize, uh, or look too harshly on, uh, the roster moves this season. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. I'm grateful. And it's just, uh, it's helpful for me to have a better understanding. Totally. You know, going into this year. So what it looks like and also the, 
um, in the perspective of the past few years and, and sort of the ebb and flows and, yeah. and really understanding how in it were the Celtics, you know, and how they were talked about by various people being favorites or not favorites or or, or whatever. So yeah. for me, not being an expert, it's it it's um it's exciting for me to learn from you in this way um, and gain a better perspective on the season. Definitely. And that just happened. And I remember being excited that we made some moves, that we got some players who have real NBA track records and could be impact players. Right. At the beginning of the season, this was our starting five. It was Marcus, the two Jays. It was Tice and Tristan Thompson. And you think about that roster playing the playoff teams and especially the ones that like made it beyond the first round in the East. Right. It's not it's not a roster on par with those other teams. It just isn't. It's not even healthy. Right. So you slot, you know, Kemba comes back, you slot Kemba in there, you get a fully healthy Kemba. That's a little more interesting, mm-hmm. but you know, a roster with Tice and Tristan Thompson up front. And one thing that I think is going to be interesting, you know, to see and interesting to talk about as we go back and look at the teams and the successes they had is what you had now is sort of an undersized Celtics team whose strength was defense. The end of the Brad Stevens coaching era and Danny Ainge GM era, you know, the success was built on defense, right? Horford. Are they the best, the best defense, the best defense, you know, and even last season, they were a top five D and a top five offense. That was the hallmark of these teams, right? So when you have a high, high-level defensive team, there are certain you know, components to that, and something was missing going into this season. And the team that they put out there didn't have, like it was somehow, even though there wasn't that much turnover from the bubble, it was somehow lacking that. And one of the things that I think played out this season that wasn't as apparent in the bubble, or I guess was to some degree um, because of our rebounding issues, was just like, we're now too small the way that that roster was constructed, right? right? So great positionless, you know, switching basketball, but you've got no one over 6'9". You've got no one who's actually close to seven feet. You've got no real rim protectors. You just can't really play that small anymore. The whole, like, small ball era that the Warriors really ushered in relied on having the Splash Brothers, right? And scorers, yeah, exactly. Scores everywhere. Putting up all those points. Mm-hmm. But not only that, having Draymond Green at the five, which I think actually is, you know, a great way to look at the lens of like why they had success Tatum's rookie year. Well, who's a great comp for Draymond Green? Al Horford, right? right. An undersized five who can guard centers, but also excels at guarding people like Giannis in those years, right? Wow. So that's what they were able to do for a little while. And then you just have these injuries and uh, erosion of some core players and the loss of Hayward. And this, <laughs> this season, the defense just wasn't good. It was not a, yeah. we just weren't, we just didn't have a top 
you know, top D. And uh, offensively, we were good at stretches and inconsistent, but defensively, once that slipped, could just tell, like, you know, from injuries to roster construction, this wasn't the season. Right. And, uh, but as we've said, it's well, th- it's a building block, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to, to take away a positive, it's got to be, I think, obviously, we think the world of Jason Tatum, but I think really, if you look at what Jalen Brown was able to do when, when Tatum went down with COVID and what he was able to show. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I I remember watching practice footage of him early on in his career and just always taking that like extra shot from the outside yeah. that was contested, you know, and it's, he's put a lot of work in and I think there's I think he's just so close you know to to being able to do something very very similar to what Jason Tatum can do offensively. Definitely. And, you know, there's, there's obviously lots of historical comps to like these, these two superstars or the sort of complementary superstar. And, um, you know, if Jason Tatum is the MJ to, you know, Jalen Brown's Pippen, um, right. you know, I think his ceiling could be higher than Pippen's offensively. But let's not forget that Scottie Pippen was one of the best players in the NBA of all time. He just happened to play sidekick to Michael Jordan. And so I think uh, that could be a great role. And I think what's interesting is the dynamic between them where ultimately it's not like a 1A, 1B, or 1 uh, and 2. It really is a 1A and 1A situation in a lot of ways. And because of their personalities – there isn't a clear alpha personality-wise, and so there's room for Jalen Brown to assert his leadership as he grows too. And to see that on the court and know that he's such an intelligent, uh, involved, thoughtful young man that that, you know, coupled with just the eye-popping abilities because of his physical gifts and his yeah. basketball IQ, I mean... Everyone loves the potential of Tatum now, but Jalen Brown, sneaky superstar. You heard it here first. Yeah. The sneaky superstar. And you totally, he said it right. Like, you know, they both seem just like really good dudes. Really. You know, they're, they're really bringing like people. positive energy, they're bringing like great leadership traits at such a young age that, I mean, if honestly, that's what makes me excited about building this team around you know, these two guys and um, yeah. also makes me excited about kind of going backwards and looking at um, these past few years of their, their young career and learning more um, about it with you. It's pretty amazing. And, you know, as we kind of wrap up our talk about this season and start to look back even further, looking back, man, what a ride in our lives, Steve, from the yeah. Bird Parish McHale Big Three as we were kids and just learning what basketball was and starting to pay attention to Pierce and his ascension and the forming of, you know, the second big three of our our cognizant basketball lives. And then this, just on the heels of that, I mean, it's amazing and it's uh it's been such a ride, an up and down, fun roller coaster. And I know that we've talked before about the ups and downs and how 
We love just the richness it creates, and you don't appreciate those huge wins as much without the down years. Uh, and 2020, 2021 was a down year. It was a year that uh, underwhelmed, uh, that disappointed, and yet we are so optimistic because we know this is part of a larger building and a larger future as we enter the 2Js era. Absolutely. And I think we have a lot of faith. I, I certainly have a lot of faith in this ownership group and what they've been Definitely. able to do. Um, Very committed. Yeah. And the, the decision, as shocking as it was to watch Danny Ainge step down and Brad Stevens sort of move up into this position, it all felt like ultimately, like you said, that the time had come for that kind of a change to occur. And this commitment to bring in a coach to really usher in this new era of the two J's. Um, it, it, it's awesome. It's just awesome. It really is. Exciting, exciting times to be a Celtics fan. So I think this has been a great, uh, great first talk about these Boston Celtics and uh, how excited we are about the future of this current team. And man, am I excited to uh, to look back, Steve? Absolutely. Uh, I just want to thank everybody who's listening, who's joining us for this, and uh, hop on. I think this is going to be a really fun ride. And of course, thanks to Celtics Strong, the number one Celtics chat forum on the internet. Thank you. Thanks for listening.